Well, happy Father's Day, everybody. I hope that you're able to celebrate with your dad or celebrate the memory of your dad on this special day. This is a great day for me. I love being a dad. So um, I just want to welcome those who usually attend our Richmond campus or our West End campus. And we're broadcasting today from our beautiful Missouri City campus. So welcome to all those. And I don't want to forget our online campus. We've started this brand new fourth campus to our church since we began broadcasting in so many of you have found River Point or West End via online. So welcome to our online campus. My mom is the captain of the online campus. So hi, mom. Uh, I'm glad you're watching and tuning in today as well. I want to give you a brief update before we start our sermon today, because I know many of you are kind of anxious to get back together as a church. And I just want to let you know that we're working hard here at River Point and West End to bring everybody back together. And we're hoping to do something in July, mid-July. And uh, to do something, though, that's not weird or uh, something that feels like church, that's really our heart, so that it has a connection and a meaningful uh, interaction versus just an event. So we're looking at school districts still. We're talking to healthcare professionals. We're talking to uh, even sports teams to see how they're handling things. And we're working hard. There'll be an update soon, and we'll have a date for you as well. Well, I have loved this series, Music to My Ears, that's for sure. And um, I love live music. I think that's what started it out. And, um, and so we're using phrases that God wants us to hear as a way that is music to our ears, meaning it catches us or connects us or, or grabs a hold of our attention, our emotions for us. And so since it's Father's Day, I thought I would talk about this phrase that I used to use. When I came home from work and my children were young, I would come through the door and very dramatically yell, Daddy's home. That's right, daddy's home. And when my children were little, especially my daughter, she would scream, and if they were upstairs, they would run downstairs, and they would hug me and grin. I felt like such a celebrity. I felt like such a special person. And if my children heard me say daddy's home, it was a big day, because daddy brought all all the fun for sure. And now as my children grew um, older, uh, my dramatic greeting of daddy's home didn't really quite carry it. I'd get a lot of distant, hi, dad or yawns or crickets or things like that. My wife would always say, well, welcome home. We're glad you're here. Lisa was always great to do that. But there's just something about daddy's presence that is exciting, right? It's great. In fact, if you're like me, I've lost my dad and my stepfather, and Lisa has lost her dad. So we would love to hear those words just one more time where our dad walked through the door and said, daddy's home and um, how that would be so exciting. So I know if you're like me and you've lost your dad and you're here on Father's Day, this is kind of a tough day for you. And I know every, every family situation is different. Not everybody had a great dad or a healthy dad or a present dad, but I think we can all understand the power of a father's presence in your life. Either you had it or you wish you had it. So you either felt it either positively or negatively. You understand the power of a dad's presence in your life. And so I want to talk about that because I believe that God, that's how God wants us to experience him. It started when Jesus was asked, teach us how to pray. So he turned to the disciples and said, okay, here's how you pray. Our father who art in heaven. So he took the most intimate term, this ideal of a father, a parent to a children, as a way of uh, describing a relationship that was with him. 
And so I don't know about you, but if you grew up in a, a background where God was distant or this, this, all this reverence that prevented you from experiencing intimacy, you might be missing this idea that God wants to relate to you and me as a father, as a heavenly father, our father who art in heaven. And so in the book of Luke, Jesus gives further description of that. And he gives us sort of an example. He sort of brings to light something we're very familiar with so we can rethink our relationship with God. And this is how he wants you to think of your relationship with God. In Luke chapter 11, verse 11, it says, listen, Jesus says, listen, if your children ask for a fish, which of you would give them a snake instead? Now you see what Jesus does here? He takes this extreme sort of continuum of, hey, a child is hungry and would like to have some fish, but you would give them a snake? Of course not is the implied deal. Or if your child asks for an egg, would you give him a scorpion, something that would harm him? Of course not. You wouldn't do that. And then it says, even though you are bad, you know how to give good gifts or good things to your children. And then it says, how much more your heavenly father will give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him. So Jesus takes this familiar understanding of how a father protects and provides and desires to care for his children and applies it to our relationship with God. And he says, listen, your children ask you for things and you're not a perfect parent. I certainly wasn't a perfect father. And, um, but when my children asked for things or needed things or needed protection or comforting or security, I was there for them. I did show up. I was present. And so God is saying, now you who are not perfect know how to be a good parent. How much more than me being a perfect parent, a heavenly Father. You know, there's something special and unique about that relationship. And we, because God is almighty and God is the creator of all and God is majestic and God is to be revered, somehow lose this connection and we think or feel like God is distant. But God is saying, no, I'm right here. Daddy's home. And it should elicit this excitement. It should be music to our ears. There's something special about my relationship with my children. I mean, a lot of people call me a lot of different things, some good, some bad names, but there's only four people in the world that call me dad or daddy. And that is uh, Matthew, Madison, Dylan, and Keaton. My four children, they refer to me as dad or daddy. And it's a special, unique, close, intimate relationship. They grew out of the stage where they thought I could do no harm or that I was, uh, or that I was cool. And now we relate as adults in a way that's intimate and real. And we're, we're continually building that intimate relationship with our children. I, I'm also so excited about being a father-in-law to Alyssa. And of course, you know this, I love being a grandfather to Bo and to Ella. And these are just special, unique family relationships that are supposed to be marked with intimacy. Now, think about how you relate to God. Is this how you talk to God? Is this how you connect with God? Or is God some distant, reverent thing that's like the man upstairs or, or, or somebody that you're trying to appease or trying to you know, get, get on your team? And he wants you to be his children and he wants to act like your father. 
And so what Jesus is saying is here, how much more than you who don't know how to be great parents or perfect parents, I know, Jesus says, I know how to be this heavenly parent to you. And I want you to know that you're my children and I'd do anything for you. In fact, he did do anything for us. In fact, right before this passage where he gives us the illustration, he tells us in Luke chapter 11, verse nine, he says this. So I tell you, ask and God will give you give to you. Search and you will find. Knock and the door will be open to you. Yes, everyone who asks will receive and the one who searches will find and everyone who knocks will have the door opened. Now the way that's uh, constructed there in the Greek, it says, ask and keep on asking. Seek and keep on seeking. Knock and keep on knocking. And you're gonna find there's a persistence here that's very, very important because God doesn't wanna be a vending machine where we ask and get the prize out of the bottom of the, of the machine and then we are appreciative of it. No, there's, a, there's something in the process of seeking God, just like any good father. I didn't give my children everything they wanted when they wanted it. We put goals up or we put uh, uh, maturity levels or sort of life points up that says, you're not ready for this. And I didn't want to give my children what they wanted. I wanted to give them things that were good for them. And there was something important in that process of their desire before they received that I thought was important for their maturation process and for their uh, development. And, And a lot of times I just wanted them to save their money and buy it. I wanted them to appreciate it more because they earned the money to buy something that they wanted. Well, just like that, and you can relate to that, God in this idea of seeking and keep on seeking and knock and keep on knocking and ask and keep on asking is doing something in our maturing process. Our faith is growing. Our dependence is growing. And so I know most of you are like me. I grow weary of keep asking God or keep seeking. And I wonder, in fact, I get frustrated just like a child gets frustrated with a parent. I get frustrated with God when I say, I keep asking for this. I keep wanting this. I keep this as a desire before you. It says, ask and I'll receive. Where is it? And I forget that as a heavenly parent, God knows best and he knows the best on timing and he knows what's good for me. Just like with my children, my children would ask for things oftentimes that I knew they didn't really want, but they thought they wanted, or that would harm them, or would get them in trouble, or would lead to some problem. And I would just delay and delay, delay until they came to that conclusion on their own. And sometimes I gave them what they wanted to illustrate that this was not a good thing to have, right? And so God does some of the same things with us. So if you're praying right now for something and you want God to do something and you're so frustrated that he's not doing it, uh, take heart because God's at work in your life. It, It all starts when you begin to believe that God is your father and he knows what he's doing and he knows how to give good gifts to his children. Not, not only that, he knows how to give good gifts to his children. He knows how to give himself to his children. He, he gives freely the Holy Spirit of God. He, he gives of himself. He's, he's present with you in the middle of your desires and the things 
that you want. The Apostle Paul talked about this idea too. Let me read from the book of Romans, okay? Let me put on my grandfather glasses here. <laughs> and uh, here it is. For all those who have been led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. Listen to that. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry. Abba, Father. Now that word Abba is the most intimate Greek term or term for father. It's, it's like our term daddy or, or dad. My children don't come up to me and say, oh, father. They say, hey, dad, what's going on? Or daddy. It's an intimate term that denotes a close relationship. So because of what Jesus has done, we're able to approach him with that level of intimacy. It says the spirit himself, right? The spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. So when you come to a place, let's see, let me show you how it works spiritually. When you come to a place in your life where you realize that you need a savior and you believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sins, was buried and rose again, and you receive that asking God to forgive you, then God says what happens is he adopts you into his family. You become one of his children. Uh, this is a powerful picture. You're adopted. It's a picture of God choosing you, choosing you to be in his family. I, I was the last guy picked for dodgeball in middle school. So I can't imagine the God of the universe who knows everything I've done wrong and he knows me better than I know myself would actually choose me. He he loves me and he wants this relationship with me and he wants a certain kind of relationship, an intimate relationship where I can call him dad or father, um, this intimacy. Now, I, I know who my dad is then, father, because even though my dad, just like your dad, wasn't perfect, my stepdad wasn't perfect, Lisa's dad wasn't perfect, I have a heavenly father that wants me to not live a fearful life as a slave or to live a life... Uh, desiring just doing what I want to do, but I am asked by God to submit to him as a father so that he can lead me in my life. So I love that. So do you know, do you know God as your father or is God some big majestic picture that you learned in church one day? Do you really relate to him as your father? Because that denotes this level of intimacy. You know, when my children were growing up from time to time, what would happen is they'd get into trouble or they'd do something that's wrong. They, 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 as they grew out of that stage where they were excited to see me come home, and they got in those middle school and really those high school years, they came to a place in their life where they believed, right? They believed that they knew better than me. And uh, some people call that the rebellious teenage years. And even though I'd give direction and say, listen, here's some boundaries that you should adhere to, they had a free will of their own. And at some point they began to exercise that free will. And I wasn't uh, a superhero to them anymore. And they began to do the things that they wanted to do. And it's that that caused our relationship to have some distance in it because uh, now I had to sort of manage behaviors instead of being intimate with them. They weren't willing to submit or surrender to my direction or take my advice or even ask me for my advice. So what happens is uh, 
They never stopped being my children. So the relationship was always there, but the intimacy was lacking. That's like 1 John 3 says it this way. It says, how great is the love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. And so, man, we, we tried everything in those teenage years. And our children, preacher's kids are the worst, right? So, so we tried to lavish as much love as on, provide great discipline with them. But, but ultimately, ultimately, they had to decide whether they were going to follow my direction and my protection or they were going to do life on their own. And it created some tension for us. So Paul talks about this in Romans. He goes on in verse 31. Let me, let me just give you a sense of this. It says, what shall then we say to those, uh, these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us. How will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who then is to condemn or who is to condemn? Jesus Christ is the one who died. More than that was raised, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us, who shall separate us then, who shall separate us from the love of Christ. Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or the sword? And then it goes on in verse 37. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him, our heavenly father, who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor height nor death. Well, I'm exhausted. I mean, Paul's trying to be so thorough here. Listen to what he's saying. Nothing will, anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Some of us, you know, I had this period in my life too where I just walked away from God and I decided I knew better than God and I wanted to live my life the way I wanted to live it. And, and when that happened, right, when that happens, what I'm saying to God is, hey, I'm going to walk away and do, do my own thing. But I'm reassured by Paul's words here that nothing can ever separate me from the love of Christ, that God never stopped loving me. He was never disappointed in me. But like the prodigal son's father, he was awaiting on me to come to my senses and to come home. Eventually, I did because people were praying for me and reaching out. And it is in this relation, this loving relationship with God, where I find all the things in my life that I really need. I just want to encourage you today, if, if you feel distant from God, I just want you to know that God is loving on you and he wants you to come home. He wants you to experience this relationship with him as a father. Maybe there's shame or guilt or maybe you've just been spiritually lazy. I just want to encourage you today on this Father's Day that God as your heavenly father wants to relate to you in a powerful, powerful way. This, this whole ideal of, uh, of a heavenly father, it kind of flies in the face of what our world says. Our world says to us to be self-confident and have a lot of confidence in yourself. But God is saying, no, be confident in him. 
as our heavenly father, that I have no confidence in my flesh or in my ability or in my intellect or in my education or whatever it is, but I put my confidence in God. So it's not about God making me better. It's about me relying on God who's perfect. I love what David says. He gives us an example of this in Psalm chapter four, verse seven and eight. He says, God, you have put more joy in my heart than they have when their grain and wine abound. In peace, I will both lie down and sleep for you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. I think this is sort of the, the real idea. When, when daddy's home, you know, people uh, experience security and safety. And what David is saying here is God, my relationship with you gives me two things I really need. These are the two things you need, whether you believe in God today or not, whether you're following Jesus or not. Here's the two things I know you want. You want joy and you want peace. And what David says is the joy that he has comes from his relationship with the heavenly father and not wealth. Now we live in this culture that says what will give you joy is more things, more wealth, and we pursue it. In fact, we think, most of us, I, I have thought this, and I think of from time to time, that if I had more money, I'd be happier. That's just not true. And so David's able to say, listen, here's his testimony. I want you to know that the joy I have is not about how much land I have that produces grain and wine, which were two marks of wealth in that day. What, what, what he is saying is, no, the joy I have, and we know this to be true, the joy I have in life comes from this relationship with my heavenly father. Now we know this, we can have all the money in the world, but if we don't have a good relationship with our, our, our father or mother or spouse, when our relationships go south, our life goes south. So it doesn't really matter how much money you have. The other thing he says is, God, you give me peace. Peace comes from the Father. Peace doesn't come from your circumstances being all right or everything working out. That David says, I, you, I can sleep at night, not because my life is easy or because I'm wealthy, but I can sleep at night because you're my heavenly Father and you give me peace. The Father's presence brought about a peace. Now we've all lost sleep, especially during these times over our job or money or this virus thing. And so what we're urged to do is seek first the kingdom of God. So let me end by saying this. If God is your heavenly father, and um, then how are you as a child? Are, are you that rebellious teenager that believes that you know more than God and you want to just live life your own way? God is waiting on you today. Or are you that child that is enjoying this intimate relationship that God provided through his son, Jesus Christ? Are you that submissive, surrendered child that does believe in faith that God, that God knows best for your life? Wherever you are today, I want you to draw close. I want you to depend on him. I want you to seek after him. I want you to enjoy God as your father. Don't keep him at an arm's length. God's been totally transparent in this deal. I want to be your father. I, I want to relate to you as a parent. I don't want to relate to you as some majestic, faraway force. But I want to be intimate with you like you understand a parent should. And it's our choice. We get to exercise our free will as children 
as to how we're going to relate to the Father. And the invitation is for you today to say, no, I want to experience God like that. Intimate, our heavenly Father. Let's pray together. Will you pray with me? Father in heaven, thank you that when you set this whole thing up to take away our sins and to create an eternal life for us that's beautiful, you wanted to relate to us now and forever as a heavenly father. You could have made this some sort of boss-employee relationship or some sort of spiritual relationship that had distance in it, but you didn't do that. What you did was you created closeness, a parent, family, and you adopted us into your family because of faith and because of the sacrifice and the mercy that's found in Jesus. So I pray today for all those watching who've lost their dads and are sad today or didn't have a great dad and they feel like they missed something, that you would somehow comfort and provide everything that we need so that we can draw close to you and experience the things David experienced, which is joy and peace. And we thank you for all that you've given us. In Jesus' name, amen.